Welcome to This Week in Astrology. This is episode number 488 for February 16 to 28, 2019. This Week in Astrology is the free podcast that deepens your astrological wisdom. We always start with a forecast and regularly include other special features. Make This Week in Astrology a regular part of your astrological education. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Benjamin Bernstein, broadcasting from the virtual location of thisweekinastrology.com and the physical location of Asheville, North Carolina. To get to a specific part of the show, including the forecast for a particular date, check out the index at the very end of this MP3. You can also see this index in writing at thisweekinastrology.blogspot.com. We'll start, as always, with the forecast for the half-month then have a couple of quick announcements, and then we'll get on to our listener consultation. This one's done interactively. Uh, This is me and Jennifer talking first about whether her chart shows her vocation more strongly as artist or school teacher. And then we get into why does she get so jealous so often? So we'll address those questions, and hopefully you'll gain some insights that will help you too. So let's dive into the forecast. Chiron's definitive entry into Aries, no sneaking back into Pisces this time, highlights the second half of February. We also have a Virgo full moon, strongly colored by two aspect patterns, several hard aspect patterns, and the sun's entry into Pisces, round out the most important astrological events. What's old as we come into the second half of February, we've got a waxing moon, a couple of grand crosses, a yacht, and so a fairly intense sky. And now, With that said, let's move into our days of the current forecast. On Sunday, February 17th, artistic inspiration flows smoothly and powerfully with Venus sextile Neptune. Venus, 15 Capricorn, Neptune, 15 Pisces. This harmonious aspect can also help you deepen your relationship with your higher self and tune into the spiritual energy that pervades all things. With Venus in manifestation-loving Capricorn, this sextile also supports law of attraction work and embodied awakening practices. For more on law of attraction, go to astroshaman.com. In the search box in the upper right corner, type law of attraction made simple. For more on embodied awakening or the healing invocation I'll be mentioning into this forecast, go to astroshaman.com. The last word on the menu bar is resources. And the first pull-down says Invocations for Healing and Awakening. My posts on both the Awakening Invocation and the Healing Invocation will be found when you click that. On Monday, February 18th, the last time it happened, before last April anyway, was over 50 years ago in 1968. The U.S. and the world were in turmoil. Chiron's entry into Aries today once again finds our world in chaos, as before the wounded healer has his work cut out for him. Chiron entered Aries on April 17th of 2018, then retrograded into Pisces on September 25th of 2018 for a five-month farewell tour. Chiron re-enters Aries today on February 18 and will stay in the sign of the ram for over seven years until mid-2026. Chiron's fundamental meanings are wounding, healing, and mentoring. Aries' more challenging manifestations are war, violence, and aggression. Aries can also provoke selfishness, impulsiveness, and sexual abuse and misbehavior. Volatile Uranus just spent seven years in Aries, so there's been no shortage of these dark deeds. The handover between the two planets is virtually seamless. Uranus works its way into Taurus as Chiron eases into Aries. The Vietnam War wound down and ended the last time Chiron was in Aries. As happened then, if enough of us put our focus on healing instead of wounding, we can make great strides toward ending inappropriate sexual behavior, mass shootings, and other destructive Aryan manifestations. Chiron and Aries can also combine to catalyze wonderful outcomes. Examples include going into business as a healer or mentor or expanding your current practice, bringing healing to the world through social activism, giving or receiving mentoring on life-enhancing assertiveness and or sexuality, lighting a fire under anything to do with healing and mentoring, energizing two of Chiron's less common meanings, shamanism and spiritual awakening. 
Also, on Monday, February 18th, the Sun's final aspect before leaving Aquarius is a sextile to Uranus. Uranus is the modern ruler of Aquarius and carries the same meaning as the sign. So this Sun-Uranus sextile, Sun, 29 degrees, 21 minutes Uranus, Uranus, 29 degrees, 21 minutes Aries, doubles down in a harmonious and flowing way on flying your freak flag, following your intuitive flashes, and serving others with the special talents you most love to use. There's still more on Monday, February 18th. We have another aspect doubling down today as Venus conjoins Saturn at 17 degrees Capricorn. Saturn rules Capricorn and shares the same keywords. This supports taking a serious look at your important relationships. The ones getting a thumbs up from your higher self will feel fundamentally solid and stable. The ones that need to be released or repaired may show significant signs of challenge. If one of your relationships is in difficulty, there are two field-tested tools that can help you. To work through issues with your partner, try the four-part nonviolent communication process. To heal challenging emotions and their root causes, try my free healing invocation. This Venus-Saturn conjunction can perform a similar function for your creative output. If it's in alignment with your soul purpose, you can enjoy consistent productivity. If not, consider whether it would serve highest good to abandon a project, put it on the back burner, or take it in a new direction. You can apply the same principles to your financial life. By the way, to find the four-part nonviolent communication process, simply Google that phrase on the web. It should come right up. Finally, on Monday, February 18th, the sun enters Pisces at 6.04 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, radiating support for spiritual awakening and inspired creativity for the next month. On Tuesday, February 19th, a full moon shines forth at 10.53 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and this is happening at 0 degrees, 42 minutes Virgo. Any Virgo full moon is great for release or adjustment in how you're serving others, supporting your health, and helping to heal others. This lunation also supports detail work and organizational systems. Clean out those closets. Aspects. This full moon contains two aspect patterns. In the first, the sun and moon form a T-square with Juno, the asteroid goddess of committed partnership. This rekindles the evaluate your relationships theme of yesterday's Venus-Saturn conjunction. Committed partnerships that would benefit from releasing or upgrading may experience challenge during the waning moon. Those that are already in good shape will feel energized. The second aspect pattern is a mystic rectangle formed by the luminaries, Mars, Pallas Athena, and Uranus. This gives harmonious support for immediate practical action, that's Tarian Mars, on your intuitive flashes, Uranus. Pallas Athena can help you incorporate feminine assertiveness, strategy, and diplomacy into your action plan. The Piscean Sun contributes creative inspiration, while the Virgo Moon can help you get the details right and act in the spirit of service. This full moon Sabian symbol is, in a portrait, the best of a man's traits and character are idealized. What's unspoken here is that, like all humans, this man also has less desirable qualities, as do we all. We all tend to show our best face to the world, so most people don't need to work on that. This Sabian symbol coinciding with a Virgo full moon suggests that you simply keep working on the refinement of those qualities that you want to release or transform. Persistence will pay off, especially if you fast-track the process by enlisting your higher self's healing help. That would be the healing invocation I referred to earlier. Also, on Tuesday, February 19th, Mercury makes two aspects today, a Mercury-Neptune conjunction at 16 Pisces and a Mercury-Saturn sextile, that's Mercury at 17 Pisces, Saturn at 17 Capricorn. At the most basic level, this adds fresh energy to the ongoing Saturn-Neptune sextile. This is one of 2019's most important aspects and will remain in orb through February 1st of 2020. It can also help you make a better use of the law of attraction and help you more easily attain embodied awakening and maintain it too. In addition, Mercury's conjunction to Neptune can help you more easily receive an ongoing flow of divine information and inspiration. Mercury's sextile to Saturn can help you move these great ideas from the mental realm into practical manifestation. Finally, 
on Tuesday, February 19th, relationship healing and creative mentoring receive magical support from a Venus Chiron quintile. Venus, 18 Capricorn, Chiron, 0 degrees Aries. Ease, the Embodied Awakening Support Experience, offers you free weekly events via phone, web, and MB3 to help you enjoy more harmony, grace, and flow, eliminate suffering, boost your intuition, stop mental chatter and challenging emotions, live each day in a peaceful, awakened state, support the global spiritual awakening, and much more. The online recording library, over 170 MP3s and counting, lets you experience the life-transforming power of ease anytime. To learn more, go to astroshaman.com, go to services, and ease is about the fourth item down on the services menu. On Wednesday, February 20th, are your most important relationships in alignment with your soul purpose? If not, challenge may arise during a Venus, Palace, Uranus, Lunar Nodes, Grand Cross. It begins today on February 20th, peaks on the 27th, and ends on March 6th. With Venus conjoining the South Node, unresolved karma with an important person in your life can show itself. A win-win communication tool, such as the previously mentioned four-part nonviolent communication process, can be of great help at such times. It needn't all be challenging. Positive energies you two have previously co-created can also be brought forward by this Venus-South Node conjunction to bless your relationship, previously meaning in past lives, most likely. Uranus can pop down intuitive flashes to show you what relationship changes would serve highest good. He can also help you make them fast. Pallas Athena can help you move forward with tact, good strategy, and gentle assertiveness using just enough forcefulness to get the job done. This Grand Cross can also gift you with brilliant financial and creative ideas that align with your soul purpose and help you map a strategy to manifest them. Also, on Wednesday, February 20th, you can receive fresh inspiration on feminine assertiveness, strategy, and diplomacy as Uranus opposes Pallas Athena. Uranus, 29 degrees, 27 minutes Aries, Pallas Athena at the same degree number in Libra. This opposition lasts through April 4th and plays a central role in several major aspect patterns during the first three months of 2019. On Thursday, February 21st, your ability to share information that makes people's lives more wonderful is magically inspired by a Sun-Jupiter quintile. Sun, 3 degrees Pisces, Jupiter, 21 degrees Sagittarius. On Friday, February 22nd, how are your approaches to relationship, creativity, and money serving your soul purpose? You might get some indicators as Venus conjoins Pluto at 22 degrees Capricorn. If something in one of these areas is under stress, consider releasing or transforming it. But whatever is in alignment can be blessed with abundant wealth and power. Also, on Friday, February 22nd, you could feel a strong urge to learn or communicate as Mercury squares Jupiter. Mercury, 21 Pisces, Jupiter, 21 Sagittarius. With Mercury in Pisces, it's easier to focus your thoughts into spirituality or expressing your inspired creativity. On Saturday, February 23rd, you can enjoy strong, smooth mental empowerment with Mercury sextile Pluto. Mercury, 22 Pisces, Pluto, 22 Capricorn. On Tuesday, February 26th, is a committed partnership bringing you more abundance or sorrow? Keep an eye on this while a series Juno lunar nodes hard rectangle is active. This aspect pattern, composed of challenging oppositions, sesquares, and semisquares, starts today on February 26, peaks on March 13, and ends on March 19. The lunar nodes indicate life purpose, while Juno stands for committed partnership. But Ceres is the pivotal planet in this configuration. She'll bring up sorrow to alert you to challenges in a committed partnership, or can shower you with abundance if the partnership is going well. If your partner is good at holding space, this hard rectangle can catalyze shadow material to be processed within this safe container. To work through issues with your partner, try the four-part nonviolent communication process. To heal challenging emotions and their root causes, try my free healing invocation. On Wednesday, February 27, 
the Grand Cross featuring Venus, Pallas, Uranus, and the lunar nodes that started on February 20th, peaks today on the 27th, and ends on March 6th. Also, get out and move your body as a Sun-Mars sextile, Sun-9 Pisces, Mars-9 Taurus, energizes your physical vitality. With the Sun in Pisces, this strong, harmonious aspect also supports inspired leadership, sacred sex, and in-the-zone athletic performance. Whatever your sun sign, Astroshaman's forecasts can help you make the best use of the current astrological energies. All dates and times are in the U.S. Eastern Time Zone. Events are most powerful on the dates listed, but their influence will be active for at least a week before and after. Everyone is affected by these global transits. However, you'll be most powerfully impacted when moving planets activate sensitive points in your natal chart. Discover how these transits will personally affect you by booking a session with me. Go to astroshaman.com. Go to services on the menu bar and choose Astrology Plus from the drop-down menu. Looking ahead to our next podcast for the first half of March, we're going to have Uranus entering Taurus, a super important event, Mercury turning retrograde, a new moon in Pisces. We've also got the Sun conjoining Neptune and sextiling Saturn and Mars sextiling Neptune and trining Saturn. That all lights up that Saturn-Neptune sextile we've been talking about and has interpretations of their own, of course. Please join me on the next This Week in Astrology to learn the best use of these astrological energies. You can hear my forecast on This Week in Astrology, but would you also like to get a free, concise version in writing? How about having it conveniently pop into your inbox? And while we're at it, how about occasional bonus articles on astrology, along with simple, powerful healing and awakening techniques? That's what you get with Astroshaman's free email newsletter. To subscribe, go to astroshaman.com. You'll see the newsletter sign-up form at the top of the sidebar. And if you like calculating your own astrology charts, why not use the world's leading Windows astrology software and get it for the lowest price available? Astroshaman is an authorized dealer for SolarFire Gold, which also runs on Macs running Windows and recent Windows tablets. To learn more or place your order, visit astroshaman.com. From there, click on Products in the menu bar and choose Solar Fire Software from the drop-down menu. A free forecast newsletter and the best available price on Solar Fire Gold. Two great reasons to visit astroshaman.com right now. I have some brief announcements. Peace, love, and abundance are your divine birthright. You just need to understand the map that will lead you to them. The Activate Your Life Through Astrology Summit features over 20 experts, including me, Our wisdom will help you with money, intuition, and spiritual awakening. You'll gain fresh insight into love and relationships, as well as parenting, creativity, healing, and much more. Learn why we're all feeling such a major shift. Learn how to tap into planetary cycles for manifestation. Learn how astrology can help you create ease and abundance. Receive over 20 free gifts, including readings from expert astrologers. You can get free access to the Activate Your Life Through Astrology online summit at astroshaman.com. Go to the homepage and look on the What's New section, and you'll see it right there. There's an in-person shamanic awakening ceremony every third Tuesday in Asheville at our home. Go to astroshaman.com and type meetup, M-E-E-T-U-P, all one word, in the search box, and it should be the first search result to learn more about that. And that's all the announcements. Welcome to our interactive listener consultation. On the phone, I have Jennifer. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hi, Benjamin. Thank you for having me. It's my great pleasure. And uh, Jennifer is born April 28, 1977, 11.59 a.m., Roanoke, Virginia. And uh, we'll also add Jennifer as a pseudonym. So uh, when a person comes on the show, it's, it's perfectly fine to obscure your identity. So that's what we're doing in this case. Um, and that is with Jennifer's uh, request. Um, so what we're doing today is uh, you had a couple of different questions you wanted to address here on the show. So why don't you go ahead and tell me the... Uh, what they are, and then we'll address them either one or the other, or if they start weaving together, we can hit them both. So where would you like to put our focus today for our, uh, for our listener consultation here? Um, well, I, I have a question about career, career path, and um, maybe, you know, it's a, it's a question that, I, that I've been looking at for answers on my chart, and one of them is, should I be a, a, 
public school teacher, which I have been for a long time, or could I um, make it as an artist? Mm. And um, art's something that I really love. Um, but I also love being around people, and I just wanted some answers from the chart. And then the other one is um, I have a, you know, I'm in a relationship, you know, married and everything, but I do have a jealousy problem. And I was wondering if there's anything in my chart that spoke about that, too. Okay. So career and jealousy. Okay. All right. <laughs> we, will, we will address them both. So let's dive into the career question first, if that's okay, Jennifer. That's great. Thank you. So in addressing career, obviously you want to look at the midheaven, the cusp of house number 10. And I'll mention that the, the charts are up at uh, thisweekinastrology.blogspot.com um, near the end of the blog post for this show. For uh, February 16, 2019, there is a link. Uh, the word Jennifer is linked, and and you can click that link, and it will take you through to the natal chart and the transit chart that I ran. Um, or you can run your own because you have the birth data. <laughs> so the midheaven is Aries, and right away, Aries is an entrepreneurial sign. And I apologize for the noise there. Uh, Aries is about, you know, the warrior, the pioneer, the one who makes their own way. So uh, right away, we know that entrepreneurial energy is supported if you want to go in that direction. If I assume an artist would be an entrepreneurial career. Um, we've also got the, the Midheaven ruler Mars in the sign of Aries in the very, uh, it's like zero degrees, 46 minutes Aries. So that is double reinforcement. The fact that the ruling planet of the midheaven is in its own sign very powerful and in the sign of entrepreneurship as well is is really great um, furthermore uh, we have a venus sandwich <laughs> between mars and the midheaven um, mars is in the ninth house I'll, I'll mention i'm using the porphyry house system here in case you're you run a chart and the houses disagree but i've got mars in the ninth um, Loosely conjunct Venus. Mar I'll just round to the nearest degree number. Mars is at one, Venus is at eight. So they're only seven degrees apart. So I've got the Midheaven ruler conjoining Venus, one of whose meanings is the planet of the artist. So so that's very auspicious. And Venus herself is conjunct the Midheaven loosely. Again, she's eight, the Midheaven's pretty much 18. Um, it's barely within 10 degrees of orb. But it is, and I use a 10-degree orb for midheaven conjunctions. So that means that we do have um, Venus not only conjunct the midheaven, but its ruler. Um, so that's, that's the planet of the artist uh, making conjunction to both meaningful career points. So that is one point up for, yeah, you could be an artist. Um, now, also, uh, as a teacher, you're very relational. So really, Venus could lean also toward teaching, although frankly, you know, other planets tend to be more explicitly about teaching than Venus does. What level of, of school are you teaching? High school. Okay, high school. High school. <laughs> okay. Um, so high school, anything K through 12 is usually ruled by Mercury. So um, we'll go find Mercury in a bit to, to see how that relates to a, a school teacher job. But um, Venus, while it could loosely relate to teaching in that it is interaction, it, it's really a very loose connection. It's just, you know, relational. But I think she's more blatantly saying artist, just, just for the record. Okay, so um, let's, let's further explore the Midheaven and its ruler to see what other information we can glean. I'm going to look at the aspects to Mars and see what that has to tell us. Uh, Mars is sextile Jupiter and it's a, it's a loose sextile, but it's there. And that to me indicates if you are doing the right profession, right, meaning the one that isn't aligned with soul purpose, then Jupiter will bring success. Jupiter can be about excess. I'm sorry. Sorry. Well, it can be excess, but that's not what I meant to say. It's success <laughs> and expansion and joy. So basically if you're loving the work, if it feels expansive, joyful, etc then that would be the kind of work you're supposed to be doing right now. So the, the Midheaven ruler Mars sextile Jupiter gives us that message. Um, Mars doesn't have a lot of other major aspects to physical bodies. 
Um, I'm just seeing there is a sextile to the descendant, which is a relational energy. You said you do like to relate with people. So that says if you can relate with others as part of the work, that would be great. I assume a school teacher would be relating a whole lot more than an artist would. Um, would the nature yeah. of your art be that you, you do it alone or, or do you, are, are there people involved in the creation of your art? Um, both, both, uh, mostly alone right now, but, um, would, I would want to work toward, you know, collaboration. <laughs> okay. Well, this suggests that doing art more collaboratively might be optimal. Um, you can do it solo. Again, Venus is in Aries, the sign of me, myself, and I. So solo <laughs> art is supported and the conjunction to Mars looked at in that light too, says I'm going to do art Venus on my own Mars. So you could do that. But there's also signatures that, you know, collaborative art is good. So I'd say the chart is, is fine either way. Either way you want to do the art is good. All right. So now let's check aspects to the midheaven and see what further information we have there. Again, I'm going to not hit every single thing, but just the ones that are juicy. Um, and really the first really powerful aspect I find is a Neptune trine. And Neptune, of course, is the planet of creative inspiration. Um, Neptune would be obviously associated with artistic inspiration and creativity. I can't imagine Neptune would naturally have much to do with school teaching. Um, so okay. the Neptune trine midheaven to me is a definite vote for the artist path. So okay. let's see what else we got. <laughs> we have Pluto opposing the midheaven. Um, and that's about a roughly a six degree orb. So Pluto's wealth and power. And therefore, another thing to look for when you do your career choice is which one is making me is giving me wealth, which could be money, but wealth can be anything you value. So I guess the question there is, which makes you feel more wealthy in terms of money or satisfaction or the things that really matter to you? Do you get more of that wealth from school teaching or from doing art? And um, Pluto is also about power. So um, power can be exercised. Of course, you you have the power to influence the minds of the children. You have to maintain a certain authority over them, especially in high school. Um, mm -hmm. And as an artist, you have the power to move souls. You know, you're, you're the, yeah. the message and energy of your art has a transformative power. And um, I'm guessing that is one of the qualities of your art. Um, is that is it true? And Pluto, by the way, opposes Venus even more tightly than it opposes the midheaven. He's, he's kind of at the mm -hmm. midpoint of the Midheaven and Venus right across the chart from them. So mm -hmm. th we'll get into this when we get to the jealousy question too, because he, this relates to the <laughs> Venus Pluto there. But for art right now, um, I would say just feel into which profession makes me feel more powerful would be, I guess, mm -hmm. the bottom line question there. So that that's one barometer you can use to determine that. Um, the Midheaven is also squared by Vesta. Uh, that's the asteroid goddess of higher service, of selfless service to a cause. So that brings up a really interesting question is, um, which profession do you feel enables you to do a greater service to humanity? Um, <clears throat> there's a certain obvious service involved in school teaching, but if you have a creative vision that inspires many people or moves them in a powerful way, that potentially could be even greater service. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. So that's, that's another, it's a subtler factor, but the question is which, which profession allows me to serve the collective more wonderfully. Um, and also the, the lunar nodes align with the mid, with the mid heaven. Um, now the South node is up conjoining the mid heaven. The North node is down at the IC, but the North Node as destiny point is still opposing the Midheaven, the second strongest aspect. So I would have to say that another thing you'd have to bring into the picture is which profession feels more in alignment with my life purpose? Which one am I really here to do? Um, and I think we get an interesting message from the North Node, which is in Libra, the sign of the artist. So um, and, it, and it's also in the fourth house of home. 
So actually, we could easily interpret the Libra North Node in the fourth house to say, wow, part of your life purpose is doing art from your home. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean it's necessarily the profession, but doing it okay. at the very least qualifies that. But the fact that the nodes align with the Midheaven uh, fourth house axis is to me suggestive that art could be strongly in alignment with soul purpose. Does that make sense? Totally, yeah. Okay, yeah. so those are considerations that might be interesting to, to inquire into. So that's pretty much the messages I'm seeing for the most part. Um, there's a little bit more I want to say about career because I want to look at the 10th house planets, but any questions on what I've said so far, Jennifer? Oh, no, it's great. Thank you. You're welcome. So uh, 10th house planets also have bearing. So what we've done technically so far, we've looked at the midheaven, its sign, its ruler, um, aspects to the ruler of the midheaven, aspects to the midheaven itself. So that's that's part of what you look at when you're doing midheaven analysis. But now, and I've already, and I have in fact talked about the south node being in the 10th house and the north node opposing it. But you've got three more planets in the 10th house. You've got Chiron, Sun, and Mercury. And of, of the three, there's a Sun-Mercury conjunction. They're only about three degrees apart. Sun about eight Taurus, Mercury about 11 Taurus. And, um, mm -hmm. and that, frankly, is, is school teacher support because Mercury specifically <laughs> rules K through 12. It's cool, all right? And it's in the 10th mm -hmm. house of career, and the Sun, the core of who you are, is conjoining it. And, um, and so that's pretty blatant support for school teaching if you want to do it, Okay. Um, and it's all in Taurus, which indicates if, if what you want is stability and comfort and, and a routine, then that would be a great mm -hmm. choice. So right. I think what the chart is saying is for a, a, what, a, quote, safer in terms of predictable material security, even if only limited income, which I'm just assuming because yeah. I, I have some sense of what school teachers are paid, um, then yeah. school teachers a safe choice, a secure choice. A solid choice um, but the art choice being in Aries and in the ninth house of adventure etc is a much more adventurous choice but possibly more challenging and and there's less guaranteed stability uh, in that so you'd have to figure for yourself wow my son's in Taurus I like security my moon's in Virgo I like to be able to plan things out and have it all organized and predictable these are sort of certain for urges so those planets might be more comfortable voting for school teacher but then again you have leo rising which wants to be in the spotlight and of course you're in the spotlight in the classroom but if that's not this particular spotlight you're craving then the desire might be greater for you know the the spotlight that an artist's possibility would give you so it appears to me i mean it's just common sense it takes more courage to be an artist than a school teacher i mean that's a no-brainer but your chart specifically emphasizes that because of the the earth signs liking security and stability more voting for the the school teacher choice but the the more daring adventurous path being the artist path because of it being in areas in the ninth house and such does that does that make any kind of sense totally yeah okay so so the chart says both both choices are there you know the no neither one is demanded over the other um but um, it, it's your call which way you want to play it. My my personal feeling is the chart leans a little more strongly toward artist, frankly, um, because of the, the factors I said earlier. We only really got one school teacher vote with the Sun, Mercury, and the 10th, but there's a number of other factors leaning toward artist. Um, so that, to me, wraps the the discussion around artist versus school teacher unless you have any follow-up questions no no it's great okay actually i'm noticing something else even as i speak i i worked out your aspect patterns and there is one one hint here about how you can be a successful artist um there is a grand trine in your chart venus neptune and saturn an equilateral triangle yeah and um saturn right. and neptune i've observed for years are great for law of attraction you know, Saturn, Neptune says, I visualize, I imagine. Saturn says, I crystallize and I make it real. And they have this flowing connection to Venus, the artist. Um, and it's not just a grand trine. It's a grand trine kite. And the kite point is down at the bottom. It's Pluto, the Lord of wealth and power. 
So, um, so it says if you use law of attraction in your artistry and, and, you know, actually, you know, be very clear, this is the outcome I want from the art. This is the amount of money I want to make. This is what I want the art career to look like. And you're very specific about that with the universe. Then the, the odds of having Plutonian wealth and power become much greater. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you do choose the artist path, I would strongly recommend that you incorporate a law of attraction practice or some sort of manifestation tool in order to get the maximum benefit from that. Um, now, now there's a, a very similar but slightly different uh, Grand Trine kite that instead of Venus at the top of it puts the Midheaven at the top. And, and that says you can use law of attraction for calling in what you want from any career you choose at all. So it is broadly applicable oh. to anything, but it also specifically supports the artist. So again, it, oh. it charts as we can play it either way. <laughs> does, does that make sense? That's great. Yes, I was, and I was curious about that because I had seen that and didn't know how to interpret it. Okay. When and I yeah. look at my own. And, and there's always, believe me, there's more ways to interpret all this stuff than I'm giving you. But this is just the things that are occurring to me. All right. Yeah. So um, any loose ends on the career question before we go to the jealousy question? No, it's great information. Thank you. It's okay. wonderful. You're yeah. welcome. Okay. So the most blatant thing I mentioned earlier, oh, I see this Venus-Pluto opposition that probably relates to the jealousy factor. Okay. So <laughs> Venus, of course, is relationship. Okay. And Pluto is on the dark side. Pluto is jealousy and it can get into obsession and, and dark desire to possess the beloved and things like that when it goes dark. So um, a Venus Pluto opposition on the low side could definitely be a jealousy generator. And it sounds like that is one way in which you're experiencing that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, power. Could you could you say a little bit more about what you just said? Oh no, I said especially in the past. Um, oh, in the past, the, thank the you. Jealousy. Yeah, okay. and still, you know, every once in a while, where is now? Okay. But in the past, yeah. Okay. Uh, now, jealousy is my understanding of jealousy is it's where your partner is giving attention to someone else instead of you, right? Yeah. Okay. So is this only in the con? What it, what exactly is the catalyst for? The, is it him paying attention to another woman, or just not giving you enough time generally, or what's what's the specific catalyst that brings up the jealousy now? You know, I think it I think it's just more of like a a generalized insecurity where you know maybe I just have problems trusting um, you know giving giving people a lot of uh, rain or something. I always want to know where. People are, you know, my, you know, my poor husband, um, he's so nice about it, but it is a, it's a problem. I just, you know, I can't like just relax into a relationship, um, without feeling, you know, insecurity. Okay. All right. So, um, I have some chart clues about that. Um, one, one way is, you know, one simple approach, although not a complete approach is take that Venus Pluto and use it in a different way. Because obviously a low expression of a Venus-Pluto opposition is being jealous of the beloved. Um, another way is to have fantastic sex. <laughs> and, uh, and Pluto even opens the door to sacred sex, where you're blending energy bodies and not just the five senses. And that's a level of ecstasy beyond anything the five senses can deliver. If it's not too personal, have you touched on that level of connection with your beloved, that, that kind of transpersonal sexual connection? Well, no, I mean, not really, no. I mean, it's, I don't, I don't know if he would be into that. He's not really, he's pretty like straightforward kind of guy and very, you know, manly, which I appreciate about him. But uh -huh. I don't think he wants to go in any esoteric stuff, which is fine. Okay. It's fine. Um, you know, uh, I think you need two people to do that, right? Don't both people need to be interested in that? And well, it's helpful, certainly. I mean, one person in that space can help nudge the other in that direction unconsciously. But um, just as an FYI, even if he just agrees, yes, before we make love, we'll just eye gaze for a couple of minutes. 
or we'll just do some very light, tender skin caressing for a few minutes before we get to the erogenous zones. That alone can activate the light bodies a little bit more. So there's ways to kind of finesse it without having to address the issue specifically if that's just not a concept he's comfortable with. Okay. Um, but you know, that's, that's one potential and that was, I don't want to harp on it, but it's, it's one way that Venus and Pluto play very happily together. Um, so what I'm going to do now is, is get down the jealousy is within you. Okay. So right. it's not, it's not his fault that you're jealous. He's catalyst and you're, you're having the response. So what I want to do to approach this is, is look at the seventh house ruler. Again, you have Aquarius on the descendant. And in this case, the, uh, well, both the ancient and modern rulers have a play because, so so let me just clarify my point here. The seventh house with Aquarius on the cusp has two ruling planets. The ancient ruler is Saturn. The modern ruler is Uranus. It just so happens in your chart, Uranus and Saturn are tightly square. They are within half a degree of square to each other. To round to the nearest degree, Uranus is at 10 Scorpio. Saturn is at 10 Leo. So... So they're very powerful. Anything one of them aspects is going to pretty much be aspected by the other. And what they both aspect is your son, the core of your identity. Yeah. Okay. Now, so it's a T-square. Uranus opposes the sun, both planets square Saturn. So this, uh -huh. this alone, because Uranus and Saturn are, are relational rulers, says there's a great potential for challenge and partnership. Okay. So, um, and to augment it, um, Chiron loosely conjoins the sun. Chiron is a little bit wide to be part of the T-square. We'd have to really stretch the margins a little bit to get him in there. But a sun-Chiron conjunction says a propensity for being wounded as one of its potentials. It also, I also have a sun-Chiron conjunction actually much tighter than yours. And I did spend a lot of my life getting wounded. But eventually I learned to become the mentor and the healer. So, so that, right. that is, is one of the things you can grow into is, is being the mentor, being the healer, even more than you have become already. But in the context of, of the Uranus and Saturn making hard aspect of the sun, that Chiron just says, and there can be some wounding involved here. A T-square tends to challenge until it's mastered. So my, here's, here's my premise. Because this T-square is probably a major contributing factor to the jealousy um, because the relational rulers are involved, you, you embodying the high side of Uranus and Saturn should tone down the jealousy. So, so let me give you the, uh, the Uranus part first because it's making the stronger aspect. So anyone with a Uranus sun conjunction or forgive me, opposition in my opinion is called to the following if they want to live an optimal life. First, fly your freak flag which means be the authentic one-of-a-kind person you're actually here to be, uh, no matter whom you disappoint. <laughs> and, and with your 10th house, in, with your sun in the 10th house and the sun ruling the chart since Leo is rising, you're supposed to do this very visibly. So actually this, this ties back to the career question. Can you be your authentic self in the world more authentically as an artist or a school teacher? So that, <laughs> So I, Not really, right? I, to me, it's a kind of an obvious, I, I imagine an artist would be much more free to be their true self than a school teacher would, but that's just my own preconception about that. Um, the second yeah. is, are you more free to follow your intuitive flashes? Okay. You, the Uranus sun strong connection says you need, when you get an intuitive flash, you need to follow it. And, and that will quickly take you beyond the realm of conventional, you know, people and takes you out of muggle land and into wizard land. So um, that, that actually is another good career. Um, I didn't expect this all to relate back to career, but it is. Because the sun is a 10th house planet, it's the most important planet in your 10th house, so aspects to it will further color career. Okay? So is it as an artist or a school teacher that you're more free to follow your intuitive flashes wherever they lead you? And finally, um, Uranus and the sun together say... Um, serve the collective by serving in the way that gives you the greatest joy. So we talked earlier about Vesta and the Midheaven and how that's service to the collective. And, and a good question to ask yourself is, does it give me the greatest joy to serve the collective as a school teacher or as an artist? 
what lights me up more. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so now I've, I've been relating this back to career, but now let's go back to the jealousy. Basically, yeah. if you are not fully embodied in those Uranian qualities, then the Uranus aspect get, makes you nervous, irritable, jangly. Uh, am I correct that when you're jealous, you are feeling unstable, nervous? There's kind of a jangly energy associated with the jealousy? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Uranus, yeah, so Uranus is part of the factor there. So the point is, as I see over and over again in my client work, when you are embodying the high potential of an aspect, it doesn't bother you so much on the low side. So if you get your Uranus on, as the, uh, the opposition suggests, when you become your unique self and you show it to the world, when you follow your intuitive flashes, when you serve the collective in the way that most delights you, then all that jangliness really dies down or, or disappears. Because now Uranus is fully on stream, giving you the gifts, and and to the degree that you resist those gifts, then you'll be more nervous, irritable, jangly, etc. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Okay, and then we get Saturn square the sun. Okay, um, so Saturn says, "Who's the boss?" Saturn says, "Who's got the authority here?" And um, uh, the ultimate, you know consolidation of a Sun-Saturn aspect, especially a hard aspect like a square, is you say, you know, I'm my boss. No one gets to tell me what to do. Anyone else, including my right. husband, can be an advisor, but I maintain authority for my life. And and that's the strongest embodiment of Saturn that's possible that I'm aware of. And um, so again, if you if you are if it, you you can answer this question or not, do you do you already have that level of power in the relationship, or are there ways in which you feel you must be subservient to your husband? Is he in some ways the boss? Yeah, I think we struggle with that. I think it goes back and forth, and I think there's a conflict over who's the boss okay. a lot of times. Okay. Now, is the is is there a, a a verbal agreement between the two of you about we have an equal relationship, or is there an agreement that one of you is the dominant partner? How how was it actually set up between the two of you? Well, I think we I think we buy for that more than have an agreement. We should probably have an agreement about that, but we don't. So there, know, there's it's actually never been agreement. explicitly stated how the power is structured in the partnership. No, no, we've never talked about that. Um, I mean, I think we, it comes up, uh, you know, when somebody's activated, and um, but we should talk about it when we're not, you know, when we're calm. Yeah. So would would you would you be willing when there's a calm moment to say, honey, um, is our do you want our relationship structure to be a partnership of equals, or do you feel that one or the other of us should be the decision maker for both of us? Do you think he'd be willing to answer that question? Oh yeah, yeah, we could talk about that for sure. Okay, yeah. that's that's the core question because you need to get your authority worked out if you're going to have mm -hmm. less of the jealousy. Okay. And, and in some ways you might be jealous of the power he does have over you right now. It sounds like the de facto is he is in fact the dominant partner and you are in fact um, subservient to his will, at least in some areas. Is that true? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Okay. When it comes to some, some decisions, um, you know, like maybe trips or something or, or, you know, activities that we do, you know, I'll be like, okay, yes, fine, let's do that. Okay. You know, kind of agreeing with them. So, yeah. All right. So, so if you're happy in that subservient position, it's not a problem. If you're not happy there, it is a problem. And, and then that core dissatisfaction can lead to eruptions of things like jealousy that might not seem directly related. But if there is, you know, if there is wounding at the core, if there's an inharmonious core situation, then, you know, it's going to show itself in other ways. So, okay. so in, in, in an indirect way, getting the power worked out could actually help with the jealousy. Okay. Okay. I know it doesn't seem like a direct cause okay. and effect, but I've, I've seen enough of this to believe that would, that would be the case. So in terms of your relationship with Uranus and Saturn and the sun, so tightly bound by T-square, you know, get your high Uranus on at the most you're willing to, um, decide what level of authority you want to hold in the partnership. And then, you know, if he's, if he, since he's more dominant in some areas, then the question is, are you willing to, 
to do what it takes to maintain that level of authority in the relationship. And, and this, you know, ideally should be done consciously. If you need a tool to do that with him, the four-part nonviolent communication process is fabulous. Are you already familiar with that tool by any chance? I am, yes. Okay, good. So anyone who wants to know about that, you listeners, just go Google four-part nonviolent communication process. It's a little four-step process that people can use to harmoniously resolve conflict. It's the best tool I'm aware of for that. So that would be helpful if, if it's appropriate and he's willing to do that. Um, so those things, I believe, can be, can be helpful, but they're external. And, and mostly jealousy is just a sense of I'm not sufficiently fed here. I'm not getting my needs met because of something. He's putting his attention elsewhere when I want it on me. So uh, we all had, or well, I won't say all, many of us have neglect and woundedness from childhood or past lives. So um, it's helpful when jealousy arises. Well, let me just ask you generally, when you have a challenge arise, do you just blame the, the catalyst externally? It's their fault that I'm feeling this way. Or do you take responsibility for your emotion and work with it internally? Uh, at this point in my life, it's a little of both. I think if I'm if I'm really activated, I might have a tendency to put it on someone else. But I always know it comes from within, you know, because I don't know. I'm you know, I'm 41 now, so I, you know, you get kind of have some <laughs> wisdom, I guess, at this point <laughs> that it's, it's kind of you. Okay. You know. Okay. Good. So, so based on what I've observed in my own life and working with over 7,000 clients, your emotions are always your own responsibility. No one can ever be anything more yeah. than a catalyst. So, so you know, but I, I do a visual. If I'm pointing one finger out at that person, I've got three fingers pointing back at me. <laughs> so, so my premise is my emotions are always my responsibility, which is good because then I have the power to heal them. If my emotions are the other person's fault, then that makes me powerless to heal myself. Because if it's their fault, then it's beyond my control. Does that make sense? So, so the first step in, in dealing with the jealousy is to say, I am responsible for my jealousy. It's not his fault at all. It's coming up within me and then doing internal tools, whether it's my healing invocation or any other tool you find helpful to process internal emotion would be like really helpful in that context. So I'm glad to hear the jealousy has ebbed a bit with time, you know, um, just through wisdom and experience. Um, but I think the, the steps of recognizing I am 100% responsible for my jealousy, um, even if I initially flare and think it's his fault, I will come to my senses and realize it's all in me and my responsibility. And therefore, I need to find a good shadow work tool within myself to, to work with that and get to the root of it and flush it out. Um, and also... Um, as I said, being more self-realized with the whole Sun, Uranus, Saturn, T-square would be really helpful too. Um, the more you have uh, have unmet needs within yourself and core insecurities that haven't been dealt with, the easier it's going to be for things like jealousy to arise. So, so the larger picture is just, you know, do your own healing work. And, and I could even go broader and say, you know, if you have an awakening practice and you're able to hold consciousness as the awakened version of Jennifer, then that's going to go a long way because any awakened person tends to be much less reactive than a person who's just being bounced around by their emotions. So, so that's just a, a broader thought as well. Um, okay. So, so those are some thoughts, uh, take any of, or all those that are helpful. Uh, any questions on the natal uh, indicators of jealousy before I close with a few moving energies? No, okay. no, that's, that's really helpful. Thank you. Okay, good. So you've okay. got some really interesting transits coming. I'm not going to go super deep on this, but um, right now the transiting planet Pluto is about to square your lunar nodes. This is a four-year square. He's already started it. And as, as we said, you know, the lunar nodes indicate your life purpose. So for the next several years, you are going to feel powerful energy when you are in alignment with life purpose, and you are going to feel probably challenged when you're not. 
Pluto square the nodes is one of the most potent times of an entire life to refine your alignment with your the reason you were born in the first place. So just be attentive to if something feels in or out of alignment with life purpose, if it feels out of alignment to the greatest degree possible, release it, let it go. And if it's in alignment, then empower it up and do more of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And in fact, um, later this year in 2019, the transiting lunar nodes are going to square the midheaven and the nadir. So the transiting nodes also directly aligning with midheaven this year, I think you'll have a much clearer intuitive sense of the optimal direction. Is it school teacher or is it uh, artist? Um, right. Also, we talked about you, we talked about the natal Uranus opposition to the sun. You're about to get in the next two years, the most powerful Uranus transit of your lifetime, most likely, because Uranus is going to conjoin your sun. Um, this year, yeah. um, Uranus is going up to seven Taurus. Your sun is at eight. So Uranus later in the year is going to station one degree off your sun. And then in 2020, oh, wow. it's going to make an exact conjunction. And it'll probably be early 2021 wow. before it's totally done. So Uranus on the sun is huge. Um, this is the time when you need to come into the most complete possible alignment with the three Uranus things I said earlier. You know, be follow the intuitive flashes, be your genuine, authentic self as fully expressed and as publicly expressed as possible. And also to, uh, you know, serve others using the special gifts you most love to use. Because the sun and Uranus oppose natally, the Uranus conjunction to the sun will also be your Uranus opposition, which everybody gets in their mid-40s. And it's often called the midlife shift to the midlife crisis. So, um, so basically, this, is a, this, will, this tends to be a disruptive time if a person is not yet fully aligned with their life purpose. If they are, they just jump to the next quantum level in a joyful way. But um, in whatever area you're not in alignment, it's going to be a time of real shakeup. So I'd say mid 2019 through early 2021, there's going to be a very strong drive to be really authentic and come into the fullest possible alignment with why you're here. So Uranus on the sun in the 10th, publicly expressing self and, and fully becoming self more authentically as Pluto squares the nodes is a very powerful synchronicity. Um, so, um, and even at this very moment, Saturn is squaring your midheaven most of the year. So, um, there's just all sorts of things. Um, that's, that's calling for a reality check on your career. And at Saturn, winning right. square something says, what's the objective truth here? What really is, you know, the structure you want in your career? So there's a lot of energy on the midheaven. There's a lot of energy on the lunar nodes, life purpose. And starting mid-year, there's going to be a tremendous amount of energy on your sun. So just know that the next... Um, roughly the next couple of years are going to be a very potent time for um, noticing what do you become dissatisfied with and what do you feel is being amped up and given more power? Because this is, this is one of the most powerful moments of your life by transit with everything that's going on. So it's not a time to stick slavishly to the old status quo. It's a time to look very carefully and thoughtfully and hopefully guided by intuition as to what directions your higher self is calling you to now. Okay. Does that make sense? Does that make any sense? It, it does. I, and do you have any, I mean, suggestions for just dealing with that? It sounds like it's going to be intense. Is it will. Intense? Well, I, I'll give you the same broad advice I would give anybody, you know, um, if you, the more connected you are to source, the more easy it's going to be to know from just intuitive knowing what the right step is. Um, do you already feel like you have a good connection to your inner guidance? Yeah. Good. Well, well, call on it and ask it what you should do. You know, my, my core premise is, you know, we humans are simply a temporary scout sent down from the higher self. There are huge numbers of incarnations throughout the vastly long time of a soul's journey. And the reason a human being exists is to fulfill the function its soul would like it to do. So um, the soul communicates through intuitive flashes and through synchronicity and paying attention to that and as much as possible aligning with that, I think is the absolute best strategy. Now, obviously, we've spent quite a bit of time here talking about the astrological particulars 
And I, I do definitely know the astrology chart is a map of the soul's intentions and the transits show the timing of various things coming alive. So bring that into the mix too. But my own experience suggests that the ultimate authority always is the intuitive guidance. You know, that will, I will, I will let everything else go if the divine says a certain thing clearly to me. I don't care what the other evidence is. The, the intuition trumps everything for me. <laughs> so, so that's the best guidance I could give. You know, I've given you the astrological insights the best I can, uh, measure them out and analyze and feel into them intuitively. And then, of course, turn within for the guidance there. Um, my own experience has been, you know, I, I was in safe zone for my first 41 years. And then I took the radical step of following my dream. And since then, I've made a lot less money and I've been a whole lot more happy. <laughs> that's true yeah so um so for me I, I wouldn't go back i don't i wouldn't care how much money you offered me i would not give up the consciousness and the the life that i have it's just too precious yeah. so so it's, it was scary right. getting here and i had a lot of doubt and uncertainty en route but now that i'm here i can i can definitely see that i made a good choice wow that's great that's really, that's really great. Well, I, I really appreciate this. It means, it means a lot to me what you, what you said to me today. Okay. And again, I, I was speaking just out of only my own life. That's not your life. So, so feel into yourself. <laughs> what, what's your truth? What's your guidance? And, and you know, uh, uh, astrologers, there's actually astrological societies that have codes of ethics. And one of the codes is you cannot tell a client what to do. You are an advisor only. You're not their boss. So, so please take everything I say with a grain of salt, feel if it feels true for you, and move forward accordingly. Oh, I will. I, and I am, yeah, I will definitely take it with a grain of salt. I, I, I test things out, see if they work, you know, instead of just going for it. So, you know, I, I really, but it, it is a lot of great information you've given me. And um, be interested to see what happens with all this, uh, you know, with this Uranus yeah. coming up. <laughs> Yeah, with that, I, I didn't really reinforce. If you, if you do the high side things I recommended, it can be a very electrical and exciting ride. If you resist the things you need to do, then that will just amp up the nervousness and anxiety and irritability and, and all the things that rack the nervous system in a more challenging way. So with Uranus on the sun, it's, it becomes especially important as much as you can to, to follow those high side expressions of that planet. So cool. So any last questions well, before we wrap it up here? No, you just gave me so much to think about. And, um, you know, like just so interesting, you know, to see how all this stuff like affects your life in some way and, and see how your life turns out according to how you're born and all the planets moving around and everything. It's so, so cool to me. So well, cool. thank yeah, you. It's... it's great. Well, thank you. Okay, so thanks so much for uh, for agreeing to do this on the show, Jennifer, and uh, I wish you the very best in these very exciting coming years. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. To have your question considered for an interactive listener consultation like this, it needs to be about a specific issue that's important in your life right now, such as soul purpose, relationship, career, spirituality, or your talents and abilities. Email your question along with your date, time, and city of birth to info at astroshaman.com to have your question considered. Living a harmonious life can be difficult, especially these days when things are moving so fast. You'd think that those of us committed to personal and spiritual growth would have it easier, but sometimes it seems as if our lofty aspirations cause us to face even greater challenges. Fortunately, you have a map to guide you, your astrology chart. It can reveal a wealth of information about your soul purpose, your optimal career, and your ideal romantic partner. Spirituality, timing, relocation, your chart, when interpreted by an insightful, experienced astrologer, can provide helpful insights into every area of life. And since the moving planets keep activating different parts of your chart, getting astrology updates at least once a year can help you keep focused on what's important now. But astrology is only the beginning here at Astro Shaman. We also offer shamanic healing, which can reduce or eliminate physical, emotional, and mental issues. Your shamanic healing session will also equip you with simple, powerful techniques you can use on your own to help you take your healing and spiritual awakening to the next level. 
We also offer other services to help improve your life, including awakening activation, electional astrology, mentoring, and more. All are equally effective in person or by phone or Skype. A digital recording of your session is included, and my guarantee makes it risk-free. If you don't feel that your experience was helpful, it's free. To learn more, visit astroshaman.com. I love my work, and I look forward to helping you. We're wrapping up this episode. This Week in Astrology is honored to be chosen by Feedspot as one of the Internet's top 10 astrology podcasts. Check out our website, where you can hear the show and subscribe to podcast updates. You can also do a single sign-up for two great opportunities, chances to win a free consultation, and have your chart interpreted on the show. You can also donate to support us. Go to thisweekinastrology.com. From there, you'll be automatically redirected to the This Week in Astrology area of astroshaman.com. This Week in Astrology is copyright 2018 by Astro Shaman. All rights reserved, although enthusiastic sharing is encouraged. You can access our free comprehensive audio archive from thisweekinastrology.com. If you'd like me to illustrate the weekly forecast with your chart, please send me your date, time, and city of birth. This also gives you a chance to win a free session with me every month. I welcome your personal questions for my live listener consultation segments. I also welcome your general astrology questions and feedback. Just email info at astroshaman.com. I look forward to making you a part of This Week in Astrology. Here's the index. Our overview begins at 1 minute 30 seconds, February 17, 206, the 18th, 303, the 19th, 658, the 20th, 1048, the 21st, 1232, the 22nd, 1248, the 23rd, 1333, the 26th, 1346, the 27th, 1446. Next shows highlights, 1556, announcements, 1730, and our interactive listener chart, 1841. Thank you so much for listening to This Week in Astrology.